Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Brutally Honest Podcast. I am your host, Harrison Barron. I apologize for the delay. I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. With that being said, I am going to make this intro as short as I possibly can, so that way you guys could dive right into this, because this one is long overdue, in my opinion. Um, as always, you can find me, BrutallyHonestPodcast.com. I've officially launched my course. I know I said it a while back, but now the course is actually done. So if anybody wants help with their LinkedIn or anything like that, uh, go check it out, HarrisonBarron.com. It'll all be right there. That All that revenue and stuff like that is also going to help pay for the podcast. So if you want to support the show, you can do that instead of just donating money to my Patreon. Um, and that's really it. I, I don't really have anything else for you guys. I hope you guys enjoy this one as much as I did. Now, this is uh, this is part two. Part one was never actually released. I, ac- I think I accidentally deleted it. So you, you'll never actually get to hear part one, but part two is way better in my opinion. Part one, we really didn't talk much about any business or anything like that part two this one that you're about to listen to is incredible so uh i'm not going to hold you guys up any longer from enjoying your audio listening experience uh so without any further ado please welcome my friend dan salazar also as a heads up before we get into the show everything that you're going to hear in this podcast is purely for educational uh, advice only do not under any circumstances, take and implement any of this advice without consulting a financial professional. Go find one if you want. Feel free to reach out to Dan, but you do not take any of this otherwise for anything other than educational purposes. I have to put this disclaimer in. Now enjoy the show. Live. That's it, man. We're going. Let's do this. So, welcome back to uh, episode number two, uh, real episode number one, I guess. <laughs> part two. Uh, yeah, part two. Part two. Um, do over. Yeah, do over. So, uh, just to give everybody a little background, uh, Dan came on the show. I think I accidentally. I think I wiped my computer. Yeah, I wiped my computer. I lost the episode, and I was going through it, and I was like, oh, I was like, I think I put his episode up, and then I was like looking for it, and then I'm like, no, I don't think I did put it up, and I had, t- I was totally under the impression that I did. Um, and the, and then I'm, I'm like looking for it. I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, dude, I thought we did a podcast. I think I said to you, I'm like, yeah, didn't we do yeah. a podcast? And, yeah. And uh, I, I think it was actually, it was supposed, I think we were going to call it, this was supposed to be about money because mm. we ended up talking about everything except finance. Finance. Yeah. <laughs> the important stuff. Yeah. So, uh, so now obviously you're back now for, for round two here and uh, we're going to have a lot of fun on this. Let's do it. So uh, you, you've come with a ThinkPad, so I'm sure you probably have some kind of agenda of things to talk about, but we could go as deep uh, as you want in money and all that kind of good sure. stuff. Sure. I mean, I, I, I was thinking of, of doing kind of like a and a right? I, right. Think, I think there is this huge misconception. Do you have to give a disclaimer, by the way, like all this stuff is not... I'll yours. email it to you. Okay. You could just read it right before right, it starts. Perfect. Nothing crazy. But um, I think there's a huge... Uh, there are huge misconceptions and myths about financial planning in general. Okay. Uh uh, because there's there's so much out there, right? There's so much. You have robo advisors, you have the talking heads, and CNBC business, Fox business, sure. news, whatever. 
And so I thought, you know what? What are, what are some of the things that people always want to do about finan- want to know about financial planning? Sure. Right. So I was, I was I figure, hey, let's let's start with that, and then maybe I'll talk about some things that that I think anyone and everyone should do or could do from from early on just to to get their their bases covered. Sure. So as long as finance goes, make sure. sense? Yeah, it makes sense. So far, so um. Uh, before we even get into that, my biggest question, because I know that I do have a lot of younger sure. listeners, is what is the single best piece of advice that you could give somebody in like their 20s as far as finance goes? Develop discipline. Oh, not the answer I was looking for. No? no actually, not not the answer I was looking for. Not the answer I was expecting. Okay. Uh, I, I do. I, I like that a lot. What are you expecting? Oh, start investing early. Uh just uh, I was I was actually gonna say financial knowledge. Um, nah, you don't need to know everything. You just gotta know the right things. All right, fair enough. Because uh, it's funny, right? I t- I talk to a lot of people, and you know they, especially uh, this is at least more common from what I've seen in like the trade fields, mm-hmm. right? They're like, oh, you know, I'm set. You know, I got this pension. I'm like, guy, you make all this money. And you're driving around in a gigantic truck that you could, one, barely afford, and yeah. two, you have zero reason to have it. For what what purpose is this serving in your life? Yeah. No, I, I get it. it. It And there are certain rules, I think, uh, that if you follow properly, and this is why discipline is so important, it allows you to do that. Right? Sure. Um, so, yeah, to me, it's discipline. It's It's not... It used to be knowledge. It's funny you said that because mm-hmm. I remember when I first got into business 11 years ago, I wanted to know it all. Sure. I figured, you know, the more I know, the 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 better I'll be. Mm-hmm. Then I realized that that over time, I saw so many financial advisors with all kinds of initials after their names, right? Sure. Designations and all this stuff just flat out failing out of the business. Oh, yeah. Flat out failing. And I'm like, all right, so it's not knowledge. Sure. Because right, I'm sure they know their stuff, um, but they had no discipline, mm. right? And and I think when I'm teaching younger financial advisors or new financial advisors, right, career changers or people who come from other firms into our firm, you you always get that question of like, what's the secret, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you do well, like, what's the secret? I'm sure. like, there's no secret. It's too simple for it to be a secret. It's sure. just be disciplined. Sure. You're disciplined. You do the things you're supposed to be doing. You can't but succeed. Right? And that's true of everything. Right? Sure. You're disciplined about jujitsu. Sure. Right? Like they said that a black belt is nothing more than a white belt that kept coming back. Sure. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's that's true just about everything. And in discipline, people think of discipline. Okay. I don't know this. My opinion is that um, people think of discipline as something that's restrictive. Right. Like sure. I got to be strict about my schedule. And I see it in the exact opposite way. Have you read Discipline Equals Freedom? That's right, Jocko uh, Willink. Oh, shit, that's on my list. I yeah. just finished Extreme Ownership. Yeah. Um, and I think I already downloaded I got to check here. Um, yeah. To see if I got Discipline Equals Freedom. But I so just that's, that's, that's kind of where I got it. I got it from him and somebody else that sure. I trust. Like two people who just kind of converge on the same idea by accident, I sure. think. But, uh, but yeah, this discipline is freedom. Discipline is what allows you to... You know, that person who wants to buy the big truck who's, who, who doesn't really need it. Sure. I don't care if he's doing everything else he's supposed to be doing. Sure. And that only comes from discipline. Sure. So that's why I said, you know, er, best advice for a young person is just to, to develop discipline so they can develop some good habits around money. Fair enough. Um, now, uh, I guess my, my second question before we dive into this, where is a great place 
or or where's a good starting point for you know a younger individual heck even somebody like in their 30s mm-hmm. uh to go to or where can they start learning about um you know because I, I for some reason which blows my mind is a lot of people are afraid to go to a financial advisor they don't understand which i think is the most ridiculous thing ever you know it's like why would you be afraid to go to the doctors right the doctor is right. going to help you you know help you get better financial advisor is going to help you make money you know hopefully yeah hopefully you're going to go to an accountant to help you with your taxes right all of yeah. those kinds of things so where is a good place for for a you know young hungry 20 to 30 year old to go start getting this to get knowledge at least to sure. point them in the right direction. So that's it's really a tough question because in terms of knowledge, you could get everything right now, you know, just just with oh this, my God. right? Yeah. There's there's millions of resources out there. Um and you know, people don't have the 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 knowledge, the expertise, nor the time really to mm-hmm. look at all of that information and try to figure out what's good, you know, what makes sense to them. Sure. So in terms of where to get knowledge, I would just say, you know, start Google and stuff. But but you need to get a foundation, the, the foundation right. There, there should be a set of uh, economic-based rules around your money that would allow you to make decisions better in the future. And it will also allow you to, to look at, at some information that you get excuse me, and see if it makes sense for you or not. Okay, mm-hmm. so just to give you an example, buying a house, right? That's everyone's first big financial goal. Sure. I don't think it should be, but it just is, sure. right? And so they don't never know, okay, am I buying too much of a house, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or too little, how much can I afford? And I always make it simple. I say, look, if buying a house is going to prevent you from saving at least 15% of gross income, mm-hmm. if it's going to prevent you, or if it's going to wipe out your savings, right? If it's going, to, if the mortgage payment is going to take more than 15 to 20% of your gross income, then you're buying too big of a house. Sure. All right. So now they can, now now that they have that base knowledge, they can do their own research and say, okay, well, if I take a thirty-year mortgage for this amount of money, what's my monthly payment going to be? Is that more than fifteen to twenty percent of what I make? Sure. Right. So if you have the right foundation, it allows you to to take every financial decision that you're going to make, mm-hmm. and see if it makes sense for you or not. But it all starts with the foundation, right? The strongest part of everything should always be the foundation, right? Mm-hmm. If a house is the foundation, right? Sure. The taller the tree, the stronger the foundation has to be. Sure. And when it comes to your finances, your foundation is usually your cash flow. Mm-hmm. That's why a lot of decisions should be made on the basis of how is it going to affect your cash flow. Mm-hmm. All right. So if it's going to prevent you from saving money, you shouldn't be buying that house. It's that simple. Sure. And people don't like that answer, unfortunately. Sure. Right? And I tell them, look, it's, it's your money. You can go and buy it. I'm just giving you my professional advice. Sure. Right? That if you can't save money, if it's going to wipe out your liquidity, um, you shouldn't be doing it. It's the same thing with the 401k. Like it, it just it gets to me the, the over-reliance that I see people having on their 401k. Sure. And I'm like, look, if putting money to your 401k is preventing you from saving money now, liquidity, then don't do it. What's the rush? Sure. You're not going to retire for 40, 45 years. Sure. Plenty of time for that. Sure. I mean, look, even, you know, at least the way I look at it is, is you know, saving something is better than saving nothing. A hundred percent. You know, and, and I think a lot of people, you know, especially those people that, um, I know them, you know, if, if especially the guys that own their own businesses, right, they, they'll go with, a, you know, the term house broke. And I didn't understand what the term was, like, where, you know, they're like, oh, I'm house broke. I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, oh, most of my money goes to my house. And I'm like, well what happens if you get fired right. or you lose your job or yeah. or you uh you know a client fires you or something like 
what happens to your house? Yeah, same thing with a car. They buy a, a you know seven hundred dollars, eight hundred dollar a month oh car. Oh my god, that's the other crazy. And they have no money to save. Yeah. So the first funny, the house part. The very first time I remember when I first got into business, this had to be back in two thousand nine. Um, somebody introduced me to a, a very very wealthy asterisk individual. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, lived in a beautiful house up by Stony Brook, behind sure. Stony Brook, Oldfield. Sure. So I get there and I'm like, wow. You know, it's like half a mile to get to the actual house from the driveway, sure. right? Big Crazy. Money. And um, I walk in and the house is like empty. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, dude, you, you just moved here? And he's like, oh, no, we've been here for four years. Where's all your furniture? All right. Shit? And then as we start talking, <laughs> I realized, and he was big. The guy was making money. I'm gonna say he was making one, one point one. Right. So it's like the best, big, first big prospect that I ever got. Sure. And in so he's making like one, one point one. Um. That's one million, one point one. Yeah, one point one million. Yeah, and um, but he was spending like one point five. <laughs> oh my god. Right. So it's broke. Broke. He was dead broke. Debt uh, broke, right? And that's one of those things that people don't understand. Um, when people say the rich, I'm always like, where are we talking about how much income they make or are we talking about the net worth? Because to me, what matters is the net sure. worth. Right? Uh, you, you could have, I had, a, I had a, an electrician. Um, I was brought to this guy, I want to say six years ago, by one of our young advisors. And we get to his house, is in middle country. Mm-hmm. We park in the front, you know, the, the right on the road. And I look at the house and it's like falling apart. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh God, like what am I walking into? Sure. Walking in, the guy is, is blue collar, right? Very rough. Sure. Super nice, right? And I'm, I wasn't expecting much. Mm-hmm. So he's like, look, Dan, I'm, I'm getting ready to retire. I have some money, but I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, all right, he has a 403B or a 401K, one of those, and a couple hundred thousand. Sure. He has me on statement. He's got 1.4 million. Sure. I'm like, what? Yeah. Like, where'd you get this money? He's like, oh, I was told to just save money from when I first started. Yeah. Right. So he had 40, he didn't 45. Even invest it. He just. Oh, it was invested inside oh, yeah. of the 401k. It's oh, just, uh, it's just, it's just crazy. Yeah. And it, it reminded me of a, of a book called, um, oh, this is a book that I highly recommend, especially if you're young. All right. It's called The Millionaire Next Door. The Millionaire Next Door. Yeah. Okay. And it reminded me of the book because. It, what it is this book is two two uh research guys two phd guys they wanted to know more about the wealthy and they had these expectations the same expectations that a lot a lot of young people have when it comes to to the wealthy and it completely 100 percent overwrote the expectations that they had the wealthy and not the people spending money right which made oh, sense yeah you don't create wealth by spending it sure you got to save it exactly so th- what they found in the in the studies and the research that they did was that you know most people most millionaires is your neighbor it's the guy with the blue collar the white collar but he's not going crazy he's not driving the expensive car yeah he's not, it's the guy who's just dedicated and disciplined sure to save right? money to just put money away right He's not the one stock picking or reading the money magazine. No, he's just consistently and disciplinedly putting money away in a, on a regular systematic basis. Sure. I believe it. So he, so when I went to meet the guy, I was like, damn, this is that guy. This, this sure. is who exactly who they were talking about <laughs> in the book. Right? That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, you know, it's the truth. Um, 
you know, I'm a big fan of automation, mm-hmm. you know, automating processes and stuff like that. When you could get in the, in the habit of, of just every single month, especially when you're super young, yeah. you know, like 20 years old, 18 years old. And yeah, hundred hours a month might be a lot of money for you at the time, but you're going to thank yourself in 40 years when you drop that money and, you know, in, yeah. into an account that's just going to grow. Yeah. So, so that's the real, so we developed a, a cash flow management system just, just to deal with that. Right. Uh-huh. Um, let's go flow. F L O living flow.com. If you want to go check it out. Um, what is it called? Landing flow. Living. Oh, living flow. Living flow. F L O.com. So check it out. Just watch the video when you get a chance. But it was it was exactly to address cash flow management, sure. right? Uh, because doing proper cash flow management after you've been doing improper cash flow management for so long, it's difficult. Tough it requ- break. It, exactly. Yeah. So we said, look, how can we make this? How can we make this easier? And and one of our one of our advisors, a friend of mine from Jersey, he he had been doing this for about eight, nine years with his clients and it had been doing amazing success. And then, so he decided to, you know, create a platform around that. Oh, it's so, a home run. So, oh yeah. It's, it's insane. And it works whether you make 50 grand a year, 60 grand a year sure. or a million dollars a year. It doesn't make a difference. Yeah, it doesn't matter how much money you make. It's how much money you can save. Yeah. Uh, which yeah. is, which is the, you know, the God's honest truth. And, and, you know, I think a lot of people, what a lot of people don't understand, I guess, in business is, you know, there's there's two ways that you can you can take money and grow it. You can either take that money for yourself and put it in a retirement account, or you could take that money and reinvest it back in the business to exponentially grow sure. that money. So when people come up to me, they're like, "You don't save that much money." I'm like, "No." You put it right back into the business. I, I throw it right back in the business. Yeah. I go I live a pretty frugal life. I go out to eat a fair amount, but like I don't go to fancy restaurants. You know, pizza night is, you know, yeah. 12, 13 bucks. Hey, there's plenty of good places right down Main Street, right? Yeah. That, you know, it's don't break the bank. Yeah. You know, so many people are like, yeah, but you eat out a lot. I'm like, OK, trust me, my seven dollar bagel is not going to kill me. <laughs> you know, you go out for 70, 85, 100 dollars worth of drinks for a night out yeah. that just paid for my bagels for the next what? Right. Right. You know, month or so. That's correct. You know, and you do that. What? Four times a month. I get a bagel. What? Yeah, and here's here, here's the cool thing. So, the the cool thing about having discipline, right? And it, it all goes back. I was just fall back to that and and, and good um, habits around money, is that I, I don't care if my client is spending a hundred dollars three times a week on a dinner. Sure. As long as they're doing the things they're supposed to be doing first. Yes. It doesn't make a difference to me. Sure. So I never ask my client like what you're spending your money on. All I care about is how much are you actually saving. Sure. You answer that question, and whatever happens after that, it's your business. It's your money. You work hard for it. Enjoy it, right? Now, if you're saving zero, all right, because you're spending all of it, mm-hmm. right, then, yeah, you're not going to have a choice but to make some lifestyle changes, and that's difficult, right? Uh, a, a friend of mine, another financial advisor, he, he trademarked the term um, lifestyle addiction. Oh, I yeah. like that. Yeah, and it's very true. We, we become addicted to our lifestyle and making changes is difficult. It's just sure. like an addiction, right? And I would add on top of that, um, this one I can't trademark, but keeping up with the Joneses. Oh, that's a huge Oh, one. my God. Long Island is packed out with Joneses and people wanted to keep up with the Joneses. I don't understand it. It's like my buddy bought our car. I got to buy a better car, right? Oh and there's been, there's been studies on behavioral finance that um, people who make $80,000 a year uh-huh. Knowing that their friends make sixty, then make a hundred thousand a year. Knowing that their friends make one twenty. Wait, say it one more time. 
people would rather know that they're making 80 grand a year uh-huh. knowing that their friends are making 60 to 70,000 sure. less than them sure rather than making $100,000 a year knowing uh-huh. that their friends are making 120 130 oh cuz they don't want their friends to succeed they, they, they want just their friends to be better than be them. better than them Right. Oh yeah, I yeah. believe that a hundred percent. And it's it's a dangerous thing for someone who doesn't make that much money to have friends who make a lot of money. Sure. All right, because they're taking fancy vacations and now they feel they need to keep up with that. Yeah, oh, they're yeah. driving the nicer car and so forth and so on. So it, it's and in Long Island that happens a lot. Oh, a hundred percent. Happens a lot. You know. Every time I see somebody driving a Mercedes. I'm like, I hope I, you I, got it like that. I'm like, no, I don't because I'm like, that's he's he's trying to keep up with someone. Oh, more than likely. More than likely. So Not always. More here's than the likely. funniest thing. I think I've, I've said this a couple times on the show, but I've never gotten into a Mercedes that impressed me. Ever. Really? I've literally never, and I've sat in $200,000 Mercedes all the way down to $30,000 Mercedes, yeah. and I've never gotten into one and been like, this is fucking sick. Yeah. I'm not a big car guy. Even <laughs> So I used to drive a Lexus, um, and I am going to go back to Lexus, but for a different reason. So I go into this New York City, you know, two, three times a week. And our office is in my, my, my office. So we have four offices, uh, New York City, Woodbury, Albany, and Princeton. So I'm usually in New York City two, three times a week, and then in Woodbury the other two, three times a week. Mm-hmm. But driving into the cities, it, it was just a nightmare. And I don't like taking the Long Island Railroad. I'm sure. just, you know, I've been stuck in, in delays and stuff like that. It's bad. I'd rather be on traffic because it's my choice sure. than be delayed because it's somebody else's issue. Yeah. Right. So. Well, sometimes you can get you could uh, deal with some car accident. Fair. Then you're SOL um, either way. That's true. Um, but at least I can figure something out. Sure. I'm still in control. Right. I still have the, the yeah, hands on the wheel. Yeah. You can pull off the side of exactly. the road. Exactly. Yeah. So I got fed up with it, and and I sold my Lexus to a buddy of mine who who needed the car much more to to commute somewhere else, and I went and I bought a hybrid. Uh-huh. Just so that I could get on the HRV lane uh, in the morning. Oh, I'm I'm I don't even right. go to Nassau County all that much anymore. <laughs> and just, I'm still thinking about it. Yeah, so I, I I bought the the Honda Accord brand new touring edition. So it's got the it's got all the nice things, sure. right? But I just I don't care about cars that much. I never have. Okay, I used to. That car just, is almost nicer, if not nicer, than probably every every Mercedes on the road. Maybe. I mean, I've been to uh, my buddy drives an S five hundred, and I gotta tell you, that thing is nice. Like, if it turns, like it, it it's, the chair moves. So the I don't know. It's just it's it's. Oh, that's it's a great. Nice I've got I've I've been in the Mercedes that it gives you the massage while you're driving. Yeah. And even then, I'm like, everything is so like I don't know the way I look at it is like everything's so like not correctly put in the right areas and things like that. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. I, I never got in the car, and I was like, oh. I feel good about sitting in this right, car. Right. You know, BMWs. I've I've sat in it. You know, BMWs. You might have to pop that thing out and give it a give it a spin. Got it. Okay. That'd be good. Um, BMWs are, are are in my opinion similar. It's weird. It sits here. Got it. Done. Good. Fixed. All right. Cool. Um, but in my opinion, I think Hondas are are just unbelievably comfortable i like toyotas toyotas yes. uh, lexus i'm lexus going back too. to lexus after this uh, so i didn't i didn't buy so i wanted a hybrid regardless but Le- uh, lexus has the es350 hybrid but that one couldn't get in the hv lane uh, until this year oh really so this is that, sec- that like little pod looking no 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 it's just a full full size sedan okay yeah it's super comfortable dude okay. it's like driving in a cloud so once i'm done with my once I beat this one up, 
<laughs> then I'll, I'll get because I beat my Lexus up. I think when I got rid of it, it had like 220,000 miles. Oh, my God. But, oh, so you drive it. Oh, yeah. I drive a lot. Yeah, driving to the city. Yeah. But yeah. but it out. So every time I took it to get service, I was like, look, man, I just just tell me it's not going to leave me on the side of the road. And they're like, dude, you got to know 200,000 miles in this. Like, oh, yeah. I take I, you know, I take care of my car. Uh, Honda, Acura, Lexus and Toyota are the yeah. four cheapest car brands to maintain, believe it or not. Really? Yeah. Um, as long as, you know, assuming that you don't get into a car accident. Right, right, right. The, yeah, they, all four of those, or yeah, all four of those are the, the, uh, cheapest car brands on the road to maintain. Yeah, could make sense. Cause you know, Toyota owns Lexus and I think Honda owns Acura, yeah, right? Yeah, Honda owns Acura. Makes sense. Um, yeah, out of a list of like 30, 30 car brands. Yeah. German cars, I know they're super expensive. Like oh a part God. is, you know, an arm and a leg. Um, I, I, I would never buy a Volkswagen after seeing my friend Zach work on his Volkswagen, my girlfriend with her stuff and just even driving them and stuff like that. I've never been in one that I'm like, this is a great car. Mm. Nope. And the problems and you got to get the German stuff and sure, the, you know, they have their own German, um, uh, coolant and, and stuff like that. And it's just, it's crazy. Yeah. So yeah. So, so in relation, <laughs> come back to money. Yeah, it's just cars. Is, I think they're a big, a big, big waste. Sure. Oh, but uh, hey, again, you're doing everything you're supposed to be doing. Go ahead, buy your Mercedes, buy your big truck. I don't really, sure, don't really make a difference. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hold on, I think Good. we have your guests. Yeah, we have somebody here. Sean's gonna go uh, take care of that. But right. um, so those were those were two questions. Any any other questions? That's pretty much it on my end. I, I I like the blanket, you know. I like to put the blanket statement out there so that way at least people, yeah, you know, ex- especially because I have people that, um, that are similar to my age and they do listen to the podcast sure. and they're like, oh, you know, can you can you ask somebody this question or you know, what are your thoughts on this? And not always, it's not always that I can't answer that question, but a lot of times it's like, you know, it's like, how do you know so much and. It's through this. It's yeah. through talking to people like yeah. you and, and, you know, my other friends that that's how I learn. You know, you're an indif- industry professional. Um, I expect that all the advice that you're going to give give is, you know, semi-accurate and total disclaimer that everybody's financial situations are, sure. you know, their own. And anything you learn on this podcast cannot be used in, you know, concrete for yeah, yourself. This is technically not advice. This is education. Yeah, this is purely all education, just so that's in there and so yeah. it sees it knows. Um, but that's, I think there's a major separation, especially the youngest kids. You know, the just getting out of high school and even getting their first jobs, zero knowledge on money. None. Like zero. None. They don't teach you that anywhere. It's 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 funny. It's more so almost keeping up with the Joneses, right? It's yeah. Like, oh, you know, my friend has a my friend has a BMW. Okay, well, why can't you just have like an old Honda Civic? Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it goes back to, um, you, you know what you get from your parents and then what you get from school, mm. right? So, I think a good good habits to instill in your kids it's just become a good saver early on, right? Even on your allowance, you know, I gave you. I don't know what kids get allowances nowadays, but let's say I give you 50 bucks a week. Sure. They should take 15% of that. Sure. Just Teach put them, it yeah. away. Put it away. Doesn't matter. Put it under the mattress. Put it somewhere, right? Open an account. Doesn't matter, but just don't spend that. Sure. So by the time they start working, they're like, oh, I'm supposed to be putting 15% away. And that's minimum, right? Like I tell clients, look, 15% is for you to have a fighting chance. Sure. Doesn't mean you're going to win the fight. Yeah. You want to win the fight, get to the 20, 25% range. Sure. Then we, you know, then then you're really going to be fine. 15% is a bare bones minimum. It gets you started. It, it puts you in the ring 
of, sure. of that retirement fight that's going to happen at some point in the future. Um, so, so just if you get used to the discipline of doing that every time, and if you could systematize it, right? We're talking about setting systems and processes sure. in place, even better, right? So one of the things that we do and we use Flow to do this is all of our clients' income goes into a reservoir account. Mm-hmm. And then from them, from, from that account, they get paid both their bills and their fund money, mm-hmm. discretionary expenses. But everything else remains in the in that reservoir. Sure. And so what happens is that over time, as their incomes go up, mm-hmm. they're already capturing savings first, right? Mm-hmm. Generally what happens is as people's income goes up, their expenses go up right next to it. Sure. Right? Yes. There's, there's two parallel lines that never separate. Yeah. And, and a good test for this, uh, you know, if you're listening, it's, it's look, how much money are you making today? And then how much money were, were you making five years ago, mm-hmm. right? And is it more? It should be, hopefully, right? Sure. If, if it's more, then the next question is, well, am I also saving a lot more yes. than I was five years ago? And it's usually no. Most people do not save as their income increases. So that's why, that's why uh, flow works so well is because as their income increases, those pay increases are captured first in savings before you get to spend them. Sure. Right. In the traditional way of doing your finances, as your income goes up, you have to make the conscious decision of, okay, I'm going to save more. We took that away. We wanted, we didn't want that option to be available. Mm-hmm. Yes. Obviously we want to have an, to, we want them to have an increase in lifestyle. Um, but it, it's more difficult to do if they have to proactively take action to save money as opposed to it happening automatically. Oh, a hundred percent. So, so check this out actually. Um, uh, you and your computer? Yes. Go to um, go to go to meeting dot com. Go to meeting dot com. All right, we're gonna. Sorry for everyone watching. Oh, I know you're not gonna get to see us, but we'll we'll read out the numbers out loud. I'm in the process of getting that whole system together. But, oh, really? Uh, to I'm be able to record the screen too? And while do you're doing everything. Oh, uh, that'd be pretty sweet. But uh, yeah, it's in the it's in the it's in, it's in work in progress. All right, I'm in go to meeting. All right, good. So go to uh, join join meeting the top right corner. Yep. It's gonna ask you for a nine digit code. Sure. Seven nine nine one nine two four two nine. All right. We're joining in. Okay, good. Just put in your uh your name. Oops, Don't worry that about didn't show up in our system. What the heck? So uh it's seven nine nine. Seven nine nine. One nine two. One nine two. Four two nine. Four two nine. We in? Perfect. All right, good. Uh, yeah, and I'm gonna get a nice little TV here. Da, da, da. Yeah, we're gonna ball out a little bit. You know, as, <laughs> you know, in, income increases, expenses increase. Um, but the I, I didn't really care for the TV, and, and it's funny because like a lot of people are like, dude, you still don't have a TV in here. I'm like, I don't watch TV. You know, when I have that TV, I'm gonna get a nice little Sonos soundbar that's gonna run me an arm. And right, leg. right, right. But I love. Uh, have you ever been to the Oakley store? It, which one? Any of them. Yeah. So they have all those TVs of people like surfing and, uh, yeah. and skateboarding. That's ambiance. what I want. Yeah. I ambiance. just want that 55-inch TV <laughs> with just constant videos of of people surfing and skateboarding and doing outdoor activities and just like cool, relaxing music. That's all I want. That's, that's So he's, he's actually what I could do. I could actually record this. Um yeah, if you want to. Yeah, so let's. I'll record it, and then if if it makes sense for you to post it, then, then you're more than welcome to. Uh, I'll send you the file. 
All right, so it's currently recording. Can you see my screen right now? Uh, hold on. It's asking me to join here. Do I want it allowed? I don't want to use my microphone. No, nah, no, nah, you're good. Uh, no. Fuck. <sighs> Switch. Come on, just let me it's, in here. It's coming. Okay, it's I'm coming. all set. Good. All my right. name. Let's go here. All right, so we're gonna look at a. Uh, there it is. I'm in. We're gonna look at at a. Uh, what I call uh, two two studies. Let me close that out. And and if you see my screen, yep. th there's a bunch of things. So you see a study period forty, right? So that's, we're gonna look at forty year study periods. Okay. And we're gonna look this at two is, examples. When you say study period, this is how long we're going to do a study for. So we're gonna look at the next forty years. Oh, the next. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. So here's here's kind of how how most people do their finances, and this is gonna make sense. So. Um, somebody making $60,000 a year. Sure. Okay. We know that their income is not going to stay flat. It can't. It better not. Right? Oh, is it going to go broke? So, sure. So we expect their income to go up. Um, oh, that's interesting. What do you expect? The, what is the annual? So we did a, we did a little thing. Um, we looked at our, at our clients who are already in retirement. Uh -huh. And, and we, we always ask for a copy of their Social Security statement. Mm -hmm. So the cool thing about the Social Security statement is that it shows you a list of all the income you've earned from the first day you, you worked. That's cool. And oh, for, the government for finally did something right. For Social Security purposes anyway. right? And what we <laughs> found was that on average, income increases by about 5.1%. Now Year over year. On average. So some okay. years it was higher, some sure. years it was yeah, lower. Yeah, yeah. right? Now, I don't like using that figure because it was a very different time, right? Sure. Than, than we are today. Yep. Right. So I'm more comfortable saying that on average, people's income is going to be about four percent on average. Okay. Sure. Right. So professionals. Right. Um. So, but before now, let's just leave it blank. Right. Okay. So let's say this is a 25 year old. Right. Mm -hmm. We're going to look at the next 40 years. Sure. Right? So by the time they're 65, will they retire at 65? I don't have a clue. I don't sure. know. I don't have Do you clue. see a lot of people retiring early or later or right on time? Nah, later. It's always later. Yeah, and it's going to get later, too, over time. And that's why, okay. Why do you think? Because people just... They didn't save enough. Or, they uh, didn't save... Right? So, if you look at life expectancy, man. People are living to the mid-90s. Sure. Right? So, if you retire at 65, <laughs> you got 30 years. I know. So, if you didn't save enough, you're mm. going to have an issue. Yep. Right? Even with Social Security. It's just... People that, just don't no, save enough. Yeah. Right? That's Bad. why That's why I always go back to the, the first question, like, what's the best advice, which is just be disciplined around it. Sure. Just be disciplined. Sure. All right. So we're going to assume that they make sixty grand, uh, and we're also going to assume that that they're saving nothing, which means that their current expenses are sixty grand. Make sense? Sure. All right. And so that includes taxes, uh, you know, debt, lifestyle. Mm -hmm. All right. And and so they're saving nothing. Now, if they could save everything that they make, they would accumulate uh, about two point four million. Right. Sixty thousand times forty. Right. Assume sure. they could save everything. That's yeah. what zero growth in the market. Zero is. growth. This is putting the money under the mattress. Sure. Right under the futon right there. Right. Sure. Uh, or or burying it like uh, who was the guy from Breaking Bad? Oh, Walter White. Walter White. Right. Burying his. Did you see the new new movie? Not yet. yet. I, I didn't either. I didn't I'm either. about to finish it. I am in the last episode just because I wanted to rewatch it again before. Dude, really? Yeah. You're so, an animal, bro. The last episode. All I, right. I probably <laughs> should do that because I forgot a lot of stuff already. I know. So, I just don't have time to watch. That no, no, I TV. get it. I, I, I do it when I'm getting ready in the morning. So, right. um, so this is this is the potential that they could save. They could save everything. Obviously, they can't, right? Sure. And the reality is that most people today, young people making sixty, they're usually not saving that much money. Sure. All right. It's tough so, to save that much. Exactly. Especially living around here. God exactly. damn. Exactly. So if, if we calculate, look, 
if they don't if, if everything's going out the window obviously the net result is that there's nothing left zero dollars okay? yeah but we said that we said that there we expect their income to increase so i'm going to use a four percent increase mm. okay now let me ask you this if their expenses are also increasing by four percent is this picture going to change no 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 it can't yeah right but what if what if their expenses are only increasing by maybe only two percent Oh, this is interesting. I'm very intrigued right now. Right. So, so you know, we still an, an increase of two percent. It's still it's still an expanding lifestyle, right? They still sure. get to do more every year with their money. We're just doing it at a slower rate than their increase in their incomes. Sure. So, do we so expect saving some kind of money? Sure. So, do we expect this to look a little different? Yeah, but it's not going to be that far off the right. beaten path. I don't. So think. let's let's take a quick look. So and remember, this is somebody making sixty grand putting the money under the mattress, right? Yep. With expenses. No way. That's pretty impressive. That's that's $2,077,412. In 40 years, if you In save 40 years. 2% of your money. It, no, if you save 2% less than what, you, than what your income is increasing. So if your Just, income yes. is increasing at 4% and your expenses are only increasing at 2%, that the is difference crazy. is $2 million, right? And I always like to look at the numbers, make sure the math is correct. So I, I, I just look at it down here, right? So here's the $60,000 coming in. The mm. first year they spend all of it, zero at the end. Sure. The income increases by 4%. Their sure. expenses only increase by 2%. Mm-hmm. So there's a small difference. So 1200 bucks the first year. And so forth. And that's not even including so the market. Exactly. So let's add the market, all right? And let's, let's be conservative. By the way, let's just take a look. Wait, scroll all the way down real quick. Yeah. So, so people can understand what we're looking at here. So at year one, you're starting at 60000 At sure. year 40, you're at 276000 Of income. Of income. But your expenses are only 129 But yeah, your expenses are only 129 So So the real catch, I guess, this whole thing is most people aren't going to tap Cop, tap out or make two hundred and something thousand. Dollars. Actually, I would disagree with that. So really, you, yes, yes, I would disagree. Really, with that. yeah. And the reason why is, it, and it's all based on the data that I've seen, right? And mm. a, a very simple example is, you know, go to your parents and uh. ask them, hey, how much were they making when they were twenty five, and how much did they make before they retire? Two completely different numbers, right? Sure. Then ask them, okay, when you were twenty five, making what you were making then, ask them if they ever thought they would make that much. Oh, yeah. And the answer is always no. Sure. Right? Fair enough. Like a person who bought a house 20, actually, let's say 40 years ago, sure. who paid 60 grand. Sure. They're selling it today at 450. Sure. They never thought that their house at we'll 60 was yeah. the same exact thing. Mm. Same exact thing. It's no different. All it's right. No different. Fair enough. Okay. And, and the opposite is well, even if this doesn't happen, then. The power of the dollar. It's like something's got to give. Either you make more or the power of your buying power is greater. Sure. One of the two has yeah, to yeah. happen. So that's why I don't think this is that crazy. All right. Fair enough. Okay. Now, remember, this was putting the money into the mattress, right? I guess that includes other things, too, like your career, any passive income of you course. have, and all that kind of stuff. All of right. Course. Fair enough. Okay. And and so let's say let's say that on average, your portfolio grows at 5%. So I'm being... I'm being fairly conservative here. What does the market grow on average? Okay, so the S&P 500, which is a large cap yep. asset class, over the past 30 years has averaged about 10.1%. Oh, really? It is yeah. that high? Yeah. I thought it was because, so on Dave Ramsey's finance calculator, I think it says, which I refer to a lot, just because 
I try to tell people about money. Like I'm like, look, I'm not, you know, I'm not your financial advisor. I'm, I don't care what you do. Right. You're you you literally have zero impact on my financial future. Sure. Um, well, here's the thing. Notice that I said the S and P 500 returns. I didn't say that's what people get. It's a massive difference. A massive gap. Sure. The average, the average investor is earning like 4.6. Okay. So even even though the market is getting 10, most people are getting four, four and a half. Now why? Behavior. Okay. Yeah. Behavior of the person. Yeah. Oh, so if you have a financial advisor, you're more likely to get more. That no, means. that's that's uh, that's what we thought would happen. So this is this is data from a study called the Dalbar QAIB, the okay. Quantitative Analysis of Investor Behavior. Okay. So they when they first started coming out with this report every year, they they wanted to sell this data to financial advisors. Mm-hmm. They wanted to say, look, if you have this data, it shows that if a person has a financial advisor, they do better than if they don't. Mm-hmm. And then as they started looking at the data, they saw there was no difference. Uh, yeah. really? I wish there was. Yeah. Really? Look, funny. Look, I, I, the industry as a, whole, as a whole hasn't done a very good job with consumers. Sure. That's why nobody trusts financial advisors, I think. Or at least. Fair enough. That's kind of like the perception that I get. Yeah. It says here, uh, this is the return on your investment, uh, will generate over time. Historically, the 30 year return on the S&P 500 has been roughly 12%. That's false. Yeah, so, I'll show you. And I knew it was false. Yeah. I was like, I don't think it's 12%. So Dave Ramsey is, um, he says some good things. I disagree with him on a lot of things. Okay. But he's not licensed. So there's no skin in the game, right? Uh, he could say whatever he wants with zero repercussions. I can't. Sure. All right. So I have this thing about listening to advice from people who who have no skin in the game. Sure. Uh, right? Fair enough. Um, but just let me let me shut the bar. Um, yeah. When I t- when I tell people about the investment calculator, I go, look, the 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 ROI doesn't necessarily matter all that much for you. What matters is the fact that people understand like compounding interest and things like that. That is that is really what I want right. to convey. And right. you know what your money is going to look like if you don't save anything versus sure. if you save something. I go, look, you are your, you know, you're your own person. Go do whatever you choose to do right. in your free time. I just want to let you know that there is some kind of calculator that you could figure out, at least to give you a ballpark of what you could potentially have later on. Right. Is there guarantees? Of course not. Of course not. But, Nothing's guaranteed. You know. So here's the study, right? Dalbar. So Dalbar is a company that does research. They do zero investments. They don't manage any money. They're not interested in managing any money. They just do research in the industry. Sure. So like I said, every year they come out with this quantitative analysis of investor behavior. You can go to the website, buy it. It's like 750 bucks. Jesus Christ. I, 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 give, I give it to my clients. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, he does not actually give it to his clients. He makes them pay for it completely on their own time and money. So, so here's this chart. All right, so as of December 31st, 2018, all right, so this includes last year, which wasn't a great year for the market. Sure. The S&P 500, 30 years, returned 9.97. Oh, wow, okay. Okay? Not, not that last year returned 9.97. It's, it's that on average, average. it yep. returned 9.97, okay? Here's what the average equity fund investor got. 4% of it. Wow. So... When people say to me, I lost money in the market, I'm like, no, you didn't. You lost money. The market didn't lose money. Yeah, the market can't The market lose, did yeah. what it did. Yep. You lost money. Whatever the situation the financial made. advisor that was... It, it's actually... It's a, so in this study, they don't talk about, about blaming anyone. They just say, look, here's what we found. What we found is that on average, people only hold their investments for about 4.03 years. 
And really? Yeah, as opposed to for the long term. So it doesn't mean that they just go back to cash. It means that they're, they're constantly moving around. Sure. Oh, we think this is going to do better. Oh, no, that's going to do better. Oh, this one's going to do better. And it hurts which them is, in the long term. It hurts them in the long term. Sure. Makes sense. Right? And, and then things like when the market goes down, what people are supposed to do is rebalance, which means buy stuff when it's low, right? Sure. And sell the stuff that's made you money. People do the opposite, right? 2008. Um, Everybody pulls the money it, out and they lose. They all did. Their, they they lose their shirts, right? And and the data shows that. And and I I don't even think 2008 was that bad. I think more painful for people was actually 2000, 2001, 2002. And the reason for that is 2008. It was it was like six seven months of pain. Right? Sure. Like October started going down. The very bottom was March 15th of the following year. So sure. it was that October, November, December, January. Six months, right? Sure. And then it started rebounding to the bull market that we've had. I don't think that's that painful. 2000, 2001, 2002, that's three straight years of negative returns. Sure. That's a lot more painful. Three years of opening up your statement (laughs) and you're losing money. Yep. Right. So, so yeah. So, so people are not, are obviously not investing properly. And by properly, I don't mean where they're putting their money. What I mean is their behavior. They're not disciplined. They're not doing the things that they're supposed to be doing. Right. Buy and stay invested. Diversify. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, rebalance on a quarterly basis. Those are the things that people don't do. And unfortunately, a lot of advisors don't help with that, right? If you, if, if, if a client's losing money and they call you, they're going to say, hey, listen, I need you to move me or I'm going to move my money. Mm-hmm. The advisor, not all of them, some might say, well, no, no, I was actually thinking the same thing. <laughs> let's move it. Let's, let's yeah. move it around. No, what the advisor should say is no. This is the strategy that we set up at the beginning based on your risk tolerance and we got to stick to it. Yeah. And if you want to move, they your, should say this is. That's what is you, this is what they should say. Sure. And if you want to move your money, then move your money. But this is what we agreed upon in the beginning. Yeah. yeah. Fair okay. enough. So an advisor is afraid of saying, "Fine, move your money." Yeah. So they'll they'll do whatever the client says, mm. whether it's good or not. I I have no problem telling people to move their money. Move it. I'm not playing those games. Yeah. Yeah. You got nothing to lose. It's not going to benefit you. Yep. I'm not going to be that person. Okay. So. Let's go back to the to the example we're looking at. So remember that was if we the, the number we we looked at before was if they um, just kept the money under the mattress. If we had a, a pretty conservative five percent rate of return, the two million bucks rose to four million. Yeah, and this is from someone making sixty grand a year today. Sure. All right. And here's the best part. Even if it's not this much, maybe maybe their income increases by 4%, but their expenses only increase by 3 right? So it's not that big of a difference. Sure. We still get some pretty darn good results. Yeah, $2.2 million over 40 years. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. pretty wild, honestly. And I love showing this because it's 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 only sixty grand a year, right? I'm not I'm not showing here the person making one fifty two two fifty. Is is this is sixty thousand dollars is reasonable? A mechanic, right? Someone in a trade. This is what they're making. Sure, right? it's not it's nothing crazy. Obviously, if we if we ramp up the numbers, right? Oh, you could get probably crazy with this. You start out at two hundred thousand. We start at two hundred thousand with their expenses being two hundred thousand. Wow, that's pretty wild. Yeah. It's not that much more. Yeah. So this is a couple. This is this is two teachers today. Sure. That's yeah. crazy. Teachers make about hundred grand after like six, seven years. Yep. Right? They don't they're not good savers, generally speaking, at least the, the teachers that I meet with. So we put them on, on, on this program on Flow. Yeah, that's pretty wild. So this is available in Flow? Yeah. So we this is this is this is kind of what we do with Flow is look, we know your income is going to increase, mm-hmm. but you obviously are not good at taking those increases and saving them. Sure. Yeah. That's what we want to help with. Of course. Right? And it organizes them too. It, it shows them like, look, 
you don't need to spend everything um, the way you've been doing it here. And it allows you to track how much money came in, how much money came out. We call that free cash flow, mm-hmm. right? Um, and the idea is to help them, like you said earlier, help them generate uh, uh, different sources of income, whether it's from an investment portfolio, a real estate property that they wanted to buy, mm-hmm. whatever it is. That's fine. We're, we're cool for that. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Just you know, just seeing that that balance between the two, and and honestly, if you make two hundred thousand dollars a year, you know, it it it's really just a shame that I see when people, you know, keep, it's it's once again it's keeping up with the Joneses, right? Yeah. Everybody. I, I just see so many kids, especially my age, that go out and they buy the really fancy car. Yeah. Like the first thing they, f- the first time they actually get paid, they're going out and buying the nicest car that they could possibly get their hands on. Yeah. Um, Look, I just, I just changed the numbers. I wanted to see what forty-five thousand looked like so at forty years. Yeah, it's pretty good. Somebody yeah, only well, making, somebody only making forty grand. Start, yeah, starting out. Yeah. You know, one one point six million. Yeah, right. it's it's crazy, man. You know, and and if you, you know, a lot of times too, a lot of people they just don't understand like saving. You know how to save money. They you don't. know, I'm look. I'm definitely not a pro at it. I'm really really good at spending money. Um, <laughs> Got a PhD on spending money. Oh, dude, I'm, <laughs> I'm a pro. But uh, you know, especially with the business, the weird part is with the business is you learn how to make things work when you're broke. Yeah. That's what being an entrepreneur is, you know, and, and figuring out how to manage, you know, not even how to manage that money, but saying like, OK, well, what can I actually afford? Do, you know, what is my ROI if I buy this software? What is my ROI if I buy this? What is my ROI if I buy this? You know, and, and how am I going to position this to make me money? Right. Uh, the one thing that's crazy is the subscriptions. People can, you know, I subscribe myself to broke, literally. Um, <laughs> I had one month where I looked at my account and I'm like, where did all my money go? I made a, this was a great month. I did, yeah. you know, and I looked at it. It was like subscription, sub, sub, subscription, sub, 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 sub. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God. You know, we actually developed a subscription model. So, you know, advisors, we, we don't make much money on small accounts. We just don't. It's just how it is. Sure. Right. So you know, unless somebody has two, three hundred thousand dollars um to to invest with us and there is a, a need for let's say insurance products right where sure. we're licensed and we can help them with that as well it's, it's difficult to make money um so one of the things that we decided to do is look subscriptions are, are less painful right so i i could charge someone let's say 150 dollars a month or 200 dollars a month to have access to me and my team sure. on a regular basis helping with their credit card debt management help sure. them with savings investing do a, a risk analysis of their current financial situation and it is as if I was managing for them two hundred fifty, three hundred thousand dollars, right? So it sure. replaces the revenue that we would otherwise get from from managing their assets. To hey, it's all right. We understand that you don't have the assets now. We still want to help you, sure. All right, and this allows them access to a team of advisors that normally wouldn't even look at them, sure. All right, um, and I, I think I think it the, the kind of work that an advisor should do should more than pay for itself. Sure, I agree. And I think I if, agree. If you can't do that, then you know. Go do something else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, look, you, you, the right help is priceless. Yeah. Um, and I always tell people, look, you think hiring a professional is expensive? Wait until you hire a loser. Oh, a hundred percent. Wait until you hire a, a rookie, a novice. Oh, my buddy, my buddy Jimmy had the gr- this great saying. I can't remember what it is, and it was like, it was something with spending a dollar today is. To save it, to save a dollar today is gonna hurt 
is going to cost 10 times more down the road or whatever oh, it was. Yeah. It, was it was some catchy little saying, and I'm kind of pissed I can't remember it. But it was just like, you know, he, he, he lays asphalt. You know, him and his company, they lay asphalt for these big jobs. And he's like, yeah, look, you can absolutely go get, uh, you know, Joe Blow, and they're going to give you a quote that there's no way that we could possibly compete with and all that kind of stuff. He goes, but if the asphalt cracks or they didn't lay it right or they didn't lay enough and it wasn't graded correctly and all of these different things. Yeah. You're now going to have to pay that dude whatever the cost of the job is. Then you're going to have to pay us again to come in and redo right. the entire thing. Right. So you pick. I don't care either way, yeah. but you pick what you want. I tell that, you know, that's kind of the motto I live with in my business now. Yeah, markets markets reward um, quality, mm-hmm. right? And and so quality is a little bit more expensive. So here's, here's another example. To, going back to uh, going back to someone who's young that, that I think is very, very powerful. So when it comes to building wealth, there's there's three different parts. There's three different components to building wealth. There is uh, how much time you have, mm-hmm. right? There is how much money you're actually putting away. And then there is the rate of return on your money. Sure. Okay. So Harrison, what would you say is the most important of the three? Say, say all three of those options. Okay. So the rate of return you get, mm-hmm. how much money you put away, and how much time you have? Uh, time. Time. Good. What would most people say? Um... Probably the rate of return. Probably the rate of return. As a matter of fact, most advisors would say the rate of return. Sure. No, All it's right. time in the market, not timing the market. Good. Good. So shout so out to Jeff Nagel. <laughs> he's been on the podcast before. Uh, he has. Yeah. That's. Uh, I. I mean, we see that everyone like marketing pieces, sure. but yeah, time in the market is more important than time in the market. So we have we have two brothers here, Hank and James. Sure. Okay. Let me zoom in a little. Bit. Oh, that's what those. I'm like, I've never heard of a Hank and a, and a heard of a James. Yeah. <laughs> let's look at Hank and James. So let's assume that they're 25. Okay. Right? Let's assume that they're identical twins. Right? Sure. Very similar personalities. Went to the same schools, played sports. You know. Ended up getting a job at the same exact company. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they're 25 years old, so very similar in nature, personalities, etc. There's the one area where they were a little different was how they were going to handle their their finances. Mm-hmm. So they knew it; they needed to start putting some money away. Sure, they just weren't sure how much or or anything mm-hmm. like that. But they agreed that 400 a month was a nice round number that they could both both afford. Mm-hmm. Okay, for the purposes of this example, we're going to assume a, a, a Compound rate of return over 40 years of 8%, right? Remember, this is educational. Sure. And um, and so they decided to put away $400 a month. So let's first look at James, all right? Do you have a pen and paper, by the way? Oh, uh, I got a to. notepad. I could probably right, get a good, pen good, and good, paper. Good, good, So write James. Okay. okay. And so what James decided to do, he said, look, little brother, fine. I am going to start putting away $400 a month, but I, I've worked really hard, right? I had... I had a 4.0 GPA in high school, 3.6 GPA in college. I played sports. You know, I've been disciplined. I've done all the right things. I want to enjoy my money, my money for a little bit. Mm-hmm. All right. So he says, I'm going to wait until I'm 35 to start putting money away. Late. Right. So see, he had the opportunity to start at 25, and he decided to wait until 36, so 10 years. Okay. Sure. But he puts away money. He puts $400 a month, right, 4800 a year from year 11. 36, three or 65, year 40. Mm-hmm. So if you see the screen, that's exactly what that says, right? Sure. So he accumulates over that period of time $587,000. So write that number down, right? So f- he put $400 a month for 30 years and he accumulated $587,000. So his cost, what cost him to get that money was the 4800 Mm-hmm. 
times 30. So it cost them 144000 Sure. to get 587. So write sure. the, run, the 144 as well, please. Sure. We good? Yep. Okay. So that's James. Now, Hank. Hank decided to do things a little different. He said, you know what, brother? I'm going to start right away. I'm just going to put $400 a month. All right. And he started at age 25. So from year one. Right. Sure. And remember, we're looking from age 25 through age 65, 40 years. Sure. However, there was a slight difference in Hank's plan, which was after doing this for 10 years, life got crazy, kids got in the way, stress, whatever. He couldn't put any more money away after 10 years. Mm -hmm. So all he did is he put uh, $400 a month from years 1 through 10, sure. meaning from age 25 through 35. Right. Sure. And that was it. And so let's say how that that did. So first, let's look at the data. I was like looking at the data. Yeah, this is crazy. All right. So here you can see, right, the 4800 the $400 a month coming in and mm -hmm. then not coming in. See that? So only 10 years. Sure. Okay. And that grew to 755000 What did James get? Uh, 587 so that's a what there's a hundred and what difference is that 150 yeah about 150 give and take right but that's not the only difference well, like 130,000 yeah whatever it is is not the only difference because because hank only put it in for 10 years that's right so it cost hank forty eight thousand dollars to get seven hundred and fifty five thousand and it cost his brother 144 sure to get 580 sure whatever right so what's the moral of the story put some goddamn money away start putting some money away all right the most powerful thing you have is time all right and and it, the longer you wait the more expensive it gets to put money away sure all right because of lifestyle like right? that lifestyle addiction we mm -hmm. talked about earlier and because you have less time is going to cost you more to get to the same goal because you don't have as much time to let that compounding curve work. Sure. So it's just it's to start early. Start early. As, as the second you get a job. I the moment you could start putting money away. It's not the moment you could. Because you could always find excuses as to why you can't. Oh, uh, yeah. Right? So yeah. it's, it's Teaching just yourself and exactly. discipline. Just and put, put the 15% away. The, uh, the, the, the one thing I absolutely love to hear. And this, this is probably one of the things that. That makes me the most excited about money is like when I hear people that they're like, oh, I don't save. I'm like, what do you mean you don't save? Oh, I have a second job and all the money I make from that second job goes into my savings, which, yes, they're trading way more time than they probably need. Right. But they have, you know, they just know that every single thing, you know, what the blood, sweat and tears they're laying out this week is going to pay off in oh, big time. 40 years. So big time. A lot of times it's even more than that $4,800. They're making, you know, it's ten, twelve, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 a year that they're making yeah. in this part-time job. Yeah. And they're like, oh, I this is all I do is save it. And they're like, I'm only doing it for, you know, five, 10, 15 right. years. And then I'm done. I don't want to, you know, I just want to live my life after that. And I want, I'm, you know, front-loading everything. But I know that, you know, by the time I have a kid and yeah, I'm not going to see them a little less when they're a baby. But when, the, you know, the time actually matters and I got to be involved in their life, you know, think about it, right? Sure. You get, you know. 20 let's take 25 right 25 25 it happens okay so you got to work 50 hours a week well at 50 hours a week you're gonna see your kid a little less but the time that it really counts that 10 11 12 13 15 you'll be around you'll be around mm -hmm. 
and you've already front loaded all of that extra work yeah. and all that kind of stuff to 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 put that money away. Yeah, time is a powerful powerful thing and in you know being being smart about it. It's it's very relevant, very important, especially when it comes to your money. Um but here's there's another layer to all of this which is and I mentioned this earlier, right? The foundation to everything that you want to do financially is is your cash flow. Sure. Right? Money coming in and money coming out. And and because of the fact that it is the foundation, you have to protect it. Sure. Right? Otherwise, everything else falls apart. Like sure. I could create a perfect financial plan, whatever that whatever that means to, for a client. And if cash flow stops, it's all over. Yep. Right. It's game over. So so you got to protect it, right? And unfortunately, the way you protect it, it tends to be with insurance and savings, right? Savings protects you from from things happening. So the the, the second piece of advice I tell people is look. Just just go through go through your job benefits. Just mm-hmm. know what they look like. Sure. Right. And stress test them. Right. If you become disabled, how much does your benefits say you're gonna get paid? Yeah. And is that enough for you to live your life? If it isn't, go buy disability insurance. It's not yeah. that expensive. You have a family, right? Buy buy life insurance. Jesus, it's so cheap. Yeah. It's term life insurance is so cheap. Why not? It's cheaper than what you pay for cable, it's cheaper than what you buy. What you spend at a Friday night down down in in Patchogue. That's the cr- that's the craziest thing in my mind. Yeah, it's yeah. when people uh, you know it's, it's when I talk to people, I'm like, blowing. oh, do you save any money? Oh yeah, I save money. Well, what do you? By the way, just out of curiosity, what do you spend money on? I don't really spend any money. Well, do you go out on Friday nights? Yeah. How much does that cost? Oh, 100, 150, 150 bucks. bucks. Easy. I go and you do this every week. Yeah, whatever. You know, it's two, yeah. three, four hundred dollars. I'm like two, three, four hundred. <laughs> Do you and understand? Then, and then add that up. That's yeah. that's this this four hundred right here. That, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, you know, it's just it's crazy. Yeah, and it's a bit, again the protection portfolio is like my least favorite part to talk about because it involves insurance, but it's just as critical as being a good saver, sure. right? If you have a family, like, and in ins- it's funny, insurance has this this um there's like a thousand different theories of how to look at it, and I try to simplify it. I say, look, insurance should replace a loss. That's mm-hmm. it, right? So if we talk about life insurance, life insurance should replace everything you were going to provide to your family had you not died. Period. Sure. That's it. That's the old that's the whole the purpose of insurance is to fully indemnify a loss. So if you were going to provide, you know, three million dollars over the next thirty years working, right? Mm-hmm. Then then just buy that. Right? Yeah. Why are you trying to minimize what you were going to give to your family? It yeah. just doesn't make any sense to me. Same yep. thing with disability insurance. The whole point is to replace your paycheck. I think it's hysterical when people try to cheap out insurance. It's, it's it's the one thing that you want perfect. Yes. I, I hope you have it perfect and you never need it. I tell clients, like, I hope you lose all this money. All of it. Every dime. I hope you never have to file a claim. Yeah. It's the best thing that could happen. It means you never got into any serious car accident. You never got any crazy diseases. Nothing. You just you got to live your life. So we have a client. He's a surgeon. Former surgeon. He was playing hockey. And... Um, Savage. The... I never play hockey in my life. So the stick came and it split this up, oh, right? Shit. So he can't perform surgery, right? He, thank God, he listened to us. He got a disability insurance policy. He gets fifteen thousand dollars a month tax free. And here's the best part: he still gets to go to work and diagnose people. Yeah, he's just and not get paid. Doing the surgery. He just can't do his own occupation, which was doing surgery. Yeah. But when we talk to him, he's like, I would give all this money back if I could to go back to doing surgery. Oh, All yeah. of it. A hundred percent of it. Sure. So I'm like, look, I'm, I'm glad you, you, you have it and, 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 and that it's helping you. But 
I wish I could bring him to all my client meetings and be like, here, talk to this guy. Sure. <laughs> right? Video testimonials. Go ahead. Uh, well, we're not allowed to have testimonials in, in, really? in the investment world. Yeah. So it's like, I wish I, I wish I could. I would pay him just to come with me to meetings and be like, all right, he's going to be the one selling you the insurance. Yeah. <laughs> I'll manage your investments. <laughs> and I let, let him explain to you how important this is. Sure. Right? But no, his, 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 he, he would much rather work. So I always tell people, look, it's better to have your insurance and not need it than need it and not have it. Oh, yes. Right? So make sure whatever it is that you have, it's good. I, just, I think it's so comical. You know, I'm yeah. like, did you buy insurance? Yeah. You know, here's a great example. Love my parents to death. They're going to be the example today. My dad didn't buy CETO. And if anybody, if you live on Long Island, you probably know what CETO is. If you don't live on Long Island, you don't have a boat, you might not know what CETO is. CETO is literally, what are you, are you going like this? No, no, I was catching. Oh. So CETO is a, do you know what CETO is? A service, right? Yeah, it's a service. Yeah. So it's it's literally $100 per year. Per year, to come get you. To come get your boat, wherever it is. And I think there's like an almost unlimited distance because they'll come they'll go get you when you're 80 miles out in the ocean oh really yeah yeah it's it's like it's pretty ridiculous like how far they'll go to go get you um to bring you back to safety so it's 100 dollars. I, I cannot stress it's 100 dollars per year what is that quarter of a that is one night out and patch off yeah that easy. is one night out if you are the most frugal person that is two nights out but I'm lucky if I can get away from dinner for 50 bucks. Sure. So, the, apparently, boats have this little plug all the way at the bottom. And this plug, if you pull your boat out of the water, helps drain all the water out of the boat. Because there's water that gets in the hull yeah, and all that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah. And, you know, waves splashing in the back and all that kind of stuff. And your bilge pump will pump that out if your boat's in the water. But if your boat is not in the water, you can undo that plug and all the water can ah, come out of your hull. Ah, got it. And it helps prevent any warping or anything like that. And a lot of times boats just have just a tiny little bit of water. And it's never going to really affect your boat as long as you drain it all when right. it freezes. So my dad and my mom went out to Fire Island. Nice. And when you put the boat in, the, the hole is literally like the size of a quarter, maybe a little, maybe a touch bigger. They go out, and when you're driving forward, there's not really any water because the boat is at the right pitch that can go into the hole. Yeah, the water just goes right under, right? Yeah, it just yeah, goes, yeah, yeah, like the boat's moving like this, the hole's here, so yeah. there's really no water going sure. in there. But when you stop, that is when water can go into, into the, the boat. Yeah. So you go to the beach, you go hang out for a couple hours, and then you come back and... All of a sudden, the boat's not moving, and you're trying to figure out why the boat's not moving. And then you realize, oh, the boat, it's low tide. Well, I can't move the boat on low tide because the boat's sitting on the bottom, and the be the bay is very shallow. Right. Also not realizing that the hull is fully s full of water <laughs> completely, and water had been accumulating through a, you know, a quarter-sized yeah. hole for four hours now. You can move a lot of water through a little hole in four hours. Yeah. Was he a beach bar? Casino bar? No, they were just over hanging out in Fire Island. And uh, so I go, Dad. Why don't you just call Cito? You know, they'll they'll come. They'll give you. They'll, they literally give you a pump, and it'll pump water out of the boat in, in no time at all. You know, at least if you can't get back there to to put that little cap in, it'll get enough water out of the boat that you can get back until yeah. you get you know get the boat out. Especially you know, as long as you can get it up on a plane, most of that water is going to help come out slowly. Sure. Oh, I don't have Cito. <laughs> Hold on. You spent thousands of dollars on a vehicle right. with a engine that does not cost a little bit of money. 
and you didn't spend. I don't even care about boat insurance. Just a hundred bucks, man. That's like not having AAA for your car. It is, yeah. The most basic package of AAA is better than having no AAA. Yeah. I'm like, you try to save. You're saving a hundred dollars. I go, what? You know, he's like, yeah, but we got back. I'm like, oh my god! Obviously, this act, this this fault didn't learn. Yeah, he didn't learn. I'm like, for one hundred dollars, and and I go, look, this is the exact reason why I don't go out on the boat, because things like this happen, and I get really angry because you guys didn't spend a hundred dollars. It's a. we, we all got this. So um, that is your insurance for boats. Yeah, we got this uh, hubris, right? Excessive pride. It's not going to happen to me. It's not going to happen to me. It's not going to happen to me until it does, right? Mm-hmm. And my brother is a perfect example, too. Um, he, he's getting married tomorrow yep. to uh, Brian's uh, sister. Brian's been on the show. Shout out Brian's, to Brian. Shout out to Brian. Um, and uh, he, he he transitioned jobs. He went working for, for a bank to now a private uh, company you've seen his work i think i showed it to you on instagram i think so yeah, yeah, yeah. he's a graphic designer very good yes, guy. yes 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 yes. and yeah. uh in the transition process he didn't have insurance mm-hmm. right and and you get cobra when you leave a job right cobra allows you to maintain that insurance but you pay the premiums instead of employer. your employer paying the premiums or, or helping you pay the premiums and he got the paperwork and he just got buried right oh, buried goodness. and buried and buried and i'm thinking about it. i don't know if i should talk about this but it's not my brother. It's somebody else. So, uh, <laughs> so. Uh, well, let's just assume that in this moment everything's resolved. So it is. Everything's resolved. Okay, good. So he ended up in the hospital for six days. Yeah, and we just got the bill. Eighty-one thousand dollars. Oh my god! Fortunately, fortunately, he had sent the check out just in time. Even though it got buried, he's like, you know, I get. And I told him, I said, dude, you gotta. I know. I'm sorry, Kelly told him, I was like, you need to do this. Like, you never know. Uh huh. Lo and behold, six days in the hospital, $81,000 in in hospital bills. He only has to pay like, I don't know, 500 bucks or something like that. Dude, you want to talk about a good way to spend money? Go to the hospital. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You smile too much? Here's here's another bill. Let's just just figure that out real quick. So $81,000 over the course of six days? Six days. days. Yep. I'm just curious to see what the the number is. Uh, Divide that by... Actually, hold on. Uh, six times twenty-four is one hundred forty-four. Eighty-one thousand. Divide that by what was six? Uh, oh yeah, wait, that's that works actually. Six, and then the, divide that by twenty-four. You're spending five hundred and sixty-two dollars an hour. An hour. Five hundred and sixty-two dollars. Yeah. And his bill was an like hour. his bill for the insurance was like um the bill for the insurance I think. Eleven hundred bucks, thousand bucks. Yeah, to save, to save. Eight, so he sent one. Yeah, eighty thousand. Yeah, uh, insurance is kind of important. It's a no-brainer to me. No-brainer to me. It's like when I see people complain that they got a, a twelve thousand dollar bill or as their copay or whatever from the insurance, and and it it would have cost sixty grand. I'm like, I'll take the twelve grand any day, all day long. All day, I, and they kept you alive, by the <laughs> yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Not yeah, only, right? you're still living. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll pay the twelve grand. Thank you. Thank you so much. I know insurance is insurance is my favorite bill, and taxes is my least favorite. Ugh, bill. Let's not go there today. We did last time. Let's we did. Go there. Um, let's not go there today. <laughs> their tax avoidance is better than tax evasion. Just remember that, ladies. That's right. It's the le- it's the legal thing. Uh, really good accountants will help you avoid paying taxes. Yep, my guy is the man. 
Stephen Bain, if you're listening. He should be listening. <laughs> and if he's not, I blame you for not sharing this I'll, out with him. I can't wait. Um, all right, so what else you got for me for finance here? So, so um, was this good? This was, yeah, this was awesome. I think, um, you know, I try to look at everything that I do from a from a listener standpoint, sure, uh, along with my own standpoint. Um, I think it was very la- very well laid out, and, and the nice part is, is this is like real numbers, and and not only does it drive home the point that I always try to tell people, but you know, because time in the market is is so incredibly important, but really just. Trying every, you know, especially in the beginning, like at 25 years old, like people don't even realize, like I tell people when they're 20 years old, I go, whatever money you have, just don't go out for one month. Right. You know, even if it's a thousand bucks, bro, a thousand dollars in five years in the beginning of the market is way better than five years at 25 years old. Yeah. And, and, you know, when talking about the market, I always, I love to tell people, look, the market is always down. Like people, not all clients. People in general, they're never happy with the market, right? And here's why. If the market's down, nobody's happy. Sure. All right, losing money, blah, 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 blah. As the market begins to rebound, sure. right, they're feeling some confidence, right? Mm-hmm. They feel good about it. The market continues to, continues to do well, continues to grow, and now the anxiety comes back in because mm-hmm. now they're not trusting it. Like, well, Why is the market going out for so long? It's Just coming. Just and forget it. It's yeah. like that old rotisserie chicken yeah. cooker. So, and then if the market continues to do really well, oh, and then w- while it's doing well, they start giving themselves the credit for their portfolio doing well. Oh, uh, of course. Right? Oh, it's me. I made the right choices. No, it's not. It's the market, right? Yeah, market's just going to go up just, over just time. Always goes up over time. We never had a, a 10-year period where it didn't. And so when it's really high, now they're not happy. The anxiety says, should I get out? What if it crashes, right? So I always tell people, look, the market's always down. If we look at if we look at the market twenty years from now, today it was down. Even if today's a high, today's down in comparison to twenty sure, years. Sure, because you're now. looking back down the mountain. Exactly. So I always top. I always tell people, look, the market's always down. Even if today's a high, still down. When we look at this back, ten years from now, today's just gonna be another. Sure. My thing. favorite is when pe- when people are like, well, what if I were want to retire at sixty five and I pull out all my money, you know, and the market's down, then I lost a lot of money. I go, bro, you're never going to pull out your entire investment. And I go, if that's the case, yeah. then you work for an extra three years, you wait the period, yeah. and then you pull out. Yeah, it's a, it's a, I had a really good analogy with this, with data. Um, if from 1926, all right, so here's, here's a good one. So imagine that, that you go to your favorite casino, and I don't mean the bar in Fire Island, an actual casino, right? Sure. And um, there's a sign of a new game. Mm-hmm. And uh, the game says, look, here are the odds. The odds of the game. The game is you're going to win 75% of the time. right? Mm-hmm. So three out of every four sure. hands or whatever. When you win, you're going to win about 23%. Okay? Mm-hmm. And when you lose, you're only going to lose 13%. Mm-hmm. Right? So let's look at those odds again. There's a 75% chance of winning. Right? Three out of four times you'll win. When you win, you win 23% of your money. When you lose, you only lose 13%. Mm-hmm. How often do you play? You'll probably play constantly. I would sit there all day. Yeah. All day long. Sure. That's the S&P 500 from 1926. Mm. So but you got to stay playing, right? Yeah. You got to just play. Yeah, you you can't get you out. Away, exactly. You can't get out the one time where you lose money. Yes. But yeah. that's statistically speaking, ballpark here, educational purposes, those are the odds of the of the yeah. S and P. The best thing that I think people, you know, my favorite thing is is 
not cheating the market, but timing the market correctly. And not that you could ever really time the market correctly. But if you go through an 08 and you happen to be smart and save up a ton of money, an 08 is probably the time, the time get in. to just buy everything. Because yeah. then you could potentially skyrocket your success. Yeah, so so it's that we've but all nobody heard nobody ever it. wants to do it. Nobody. It's, it's difficult, right? But we've all heard you're supposed to buy when? Buy low, sell high. Buy low, sell high, right? Okay, so imagine for a second that... Um, Actually, we actually have a whole presentation of this. Are you looking at my screen still? Uh, still yes, it? I am. Uh, hold on. Sure. So this is this is really cool. We do this with clients too. Um, most of my meetings with clients are like 75, 80% of the meeting is just education. Sure. We don't actually do any recommendations until until they understand what they're doing. So one of the rules that I have is I don't let my clients sign anything unless they can explain it back to me. Oh, that's a good rule. All right. Um, all right, so let's look at rebalancing. Mr. and Mrs. Podcast, I like that. Ah, uh, yeah, I created a quick client for us. All right, so we all have heard this, right? You're supposed to buy when prices are relatively low and sell when prices are relatively high. Sure. It sounds very easy to do. But nobody ever wants to do it. Here's why. They ride the heroin Well, yeah, the human nature tells you to do the opposite. Here's what I mean by that. Imagine you, you get your statement, and here's what it looks like, right? You have three funds. Mm-hmm. You have a U.S. equity. That's United States stocks. For those of you listening, equities are stocks. Fixed mm-hmm. incomes are bonds. Okay, and you look at your three funds. You have a U.S. equity fund. You have a fixed income fund, and, and then you have an international equity fund. All right, and, and your statement says your statement says that U.S. equity is up thirty one percent. Fixed income is down two point three percent. Sure, and international is up four point six percent. So before you go any further, this is my initial gut reaction to this whole thing. Sell U.S. equity investment, take the 31%, and buy fixed income performance. Okay. So you're like in the 1%. Cool. Okay. Because when people look at this, general people, and, and, and I know you, so I know you do a lot of research on your own, right? Yeah. People don't do this. Um, but they'll look at this, and I always have like, what? And I do this in the middle of the presentation. I say, what would you be inclined to do? No, they would probably sell, oh, my God, let me get rid of my losses and keep buying my, yeah, right? Let me buy more of that, right? It's the exact opposite. You're supposed to, and here's why it's a difficult conversation to have for a financial advisor, right? If I call you and I say, look, man, you look at your statement, yes, great. So you see that U.S. equity is up, uh, fixed income is down. What we're going to do is we're actually going to sell everything that's been making you money. Mm-hmm. We're going to buy some of the stuff that's losing you money. Sure. How does that sound, right? Oh, yeah. They're probably like, oh, my God, oh, my why God. Why would you do that? Let's buy the stuff that's making money. Right? Yeah, because so, they think so, it's going to keep going up. Exactly. It's, it's a roller coaster, guys. The roller coaster can only go so high. And so low. And so, yeah, and so It goes low. both ways. So it's just difficult to tell people to sell the stuff that's making you money. Just don't buy, buy Fitbit. <laughs> I, got, I, so, just, I just checked my account, actually, before you walked in. I was like, oh, I just got... Uh, that's God. funny. So you were asking me before when we're looking at the Dalbar report, like, well, why do people lose money? This is why, right? This is what gives us these numbers, right? The S&P getting... Uh, this is 20 years. The S&P getting 5.62 and the average investor getting 3.88. Like, this is where it comes from. It's because people don't know how to behave sure. with their money, right? We're emotionally incapable of managing our money. Like, I have a financial advisor. You do? <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah, he's in, he's in, he, he just moved to Vegas. Okay. Yeah, he just moved to Vegas. There goes all your money. No, no, he's good. <laughs> he's, he's taught me a lot. Um, but he just gave me a check. We, we have a conversation once a year. Sure. He, I know what I'm supposed to be doing, obviously. Sure. He's more of like a, like a second opinion. That's why. Fair does. enough. All right. Smart. 
Um, Look, you go to the doctors, you get a second opinion. Exactly. Doctors should go to doc. Doctors do go to doctors. Although I, a lot I, of them, I would hope so. Although a lot of them uh, <laughs> self-prescribe. <laughs> it becomes an issue when you're trying to do some financial planning. But anyway, so <laughs> so yeah, so people are just not not wired. We're not wired to to move towards pain. Right? Oh, yeah. And losing money, it's painful, but it's sure. what you're supposed to be buying. Sure, of course. So it, the idea of buying low and selling high can actually be done on a systematic automatic, systematic and automatic basis. It's called rebalancing. Sure. When you rebalance a portfolio, you're supposed to sell the stuff that's been making money and buy the stuff that's been losing money and bring it back to the original target asset allocation. Sure. So it doesn't even require them to get emotional about their money. All you got to do is rebalance the portfolio and you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, which is buy low and sell high. Sure. Makes sense. Makes sense? Yeah, man. Questions? No, not really, man. It, you know, it makes sense to me. Uh, it, I, I've probably done more research than your average Joe on a lot of this stuff, which yeah. um, actually for a little while I did want to become a financial advisor and then I realized that I have to take tests and I'm just not a good <laughs> test taker. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, because of that, I was just like, you know what? I'm not. I'm not trying to study more in my life. I'm just trying to get out of that studying. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough career. I got to tell. I think I think the statistics are like one out of ten makes it to like their fifth year or something like that. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, so with the firm that I started, I remember when I started. I think we had 24 people, 24, 25 people in my class. Mm-hmm. I'm the only one that's left. There's another guy that's left in the business too. So him and I are the only ones left. But He's not front. He's like back office. So he's not like client phasing. Uh, he's working with another financial advisor. Sure. But it's a difficult career. It's, it's It requires discipline. <laughs> sure. Every, I mean, like everything. everything. You know, back to discipline, right? Everybody's like, you know, you know, the the biggest criticism I got when I started my business was, you know, um, whatever. It's like one out of every 10 businesses fail in 10 years and one out of every five fail in five years. What, whatever the numbers are. So I was like, all right, you know what? Let me start looking up some research. And, and it, you know, people get lackadaisical. They don't take a look at the big picture of like sure. what they're doing. They're not, you know, um, they're going after the wrong clients. They're trying to do everything, right? I, can't, I love telling people I don't do that. You know, do you do this? No. Do you do videography? Kind of. What are you looking for? No, I don't do that. I don't do that, yeah. You know, what do you mean you don't do that? No, no, no. Yeah. This is the kind of – I'm not, I'm not going to – build a bad reputation on trying to do something there's i know that i cannot do yeah it's not worth my time it's not worth my energy all that kind of stuff i'm gonna stick to what i'm good at that's right and you know when you start to look at that you know oh well why else the businesses fail they didn't show up they didn't take it seriously they didn't do this you know my friend a lot of my friends especially when i quit my job they're like dude you're, you're quitting your job to start yeah. With business. yeah yeah well why don't you just do it as a side hustle because i'm extremely committed committed yeah to what i'm doing Either you're in or you're out man you know i don't have a boss you know the guy sean, sean here, he could attest i'm here every morning if i'm not here in the morning it means i'm out at a meeting yeah. there's literally every single day i come to work and if i'm not you know i think i've taken like three days off since i started my company and even on the days off there's not a time that i'm like Oh my God, I forgot about it. Dude, this. I'm always thinking about the business. Always. Always thinking You're about the business. It. You have to be. You know, and then I look and I laugh when people are like, oh, my, you my 40 hour a week job is so hard. I'm like, bro, five o'clock comes on a Friday and you're done. Yeah. You're done. Like, I would love to go back to working full time as a bartender. Why? Because the moment I leave work, I'm You're done. Done. You have to bring that home. 
There's yeah yeah. Is the money? Is it is it blood money? Absolutely. Is it hard work? <laughs> Absolutely. Is it probably the best job in the world? Absolutely. But you're just done. You never have to, you know, wake up in the middle of the night and be like, oh my god, did I send this email? Did I get this done? Did this happen? Did this did this happen? You know, did I account for this? Oh my god, did I put that meeting in my calendar? This, yeah, that, and the yeah. other thing. You know, it's it's those constant things that you know. Even when it's like, okay, everything's done. Not everything's actually done. There's projects you could do. Always. There's ways to grow the business. Always there's something. Phone calls. There's posts to be made. There's always something. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's just it's just what being an entrepreneur is. You right? know, not complaining by any stretch of the imagination. But if you want to succeed, you got to show up and perform every day. Got to be disciplined. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta be disciplined. It's a lot of discipline. Yeah. And discipline is not is not doing what you like doing. Discipline is doing the stuff that you don't like doing. Yes. Right. Like. I think back of my soccer playing days, and I I used to think like wow I was so disciplined back then like if the coach said we had to be on the field at five a.m. like I was there at four fifty that's not discipline sure that's just what you do is you're supposed you to, to exactly right it's and and you enjoy discipline doing is that. going home after practice and saying what can I get to yes so discipline is doing those things that you don't like doing and doing them on a systematic basis consistent basis and it's difficult i struggle with it all the time too i mean you know we're all human right uh there's we all we we all have stuff that we struggle with right and discipline is handling that stuff it's saying okay i I know i need to do this just just go do it so that's that's that um let me see what else did i want to call nothing in particular but so you know going back to the original question which was what advice would i give someone in their 20s or early 30s It's, it's just be disciplined um, I would say work with an advisor. You find someone, and and there's, there's, I think there's like th- over three hundred thousand registered professional financial professionals. Sure, right. There's plenty of resources out there. Interview them, right? Um, yeah, make sure interviewing's you, important. Make sure you like them, right? Um, make sure they don't have two jobs. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, they're if, gonna if, be fully committed. Yeah, if your waiter is your financial advisor. That's the scariest thing. I met a guy who's a financial advisor and a real estate agent. Yeah, you see that all the time. Too. I was I'm like, not... bro, what? Yeah. How um, do you? How are you doing both? And he might be really good. I don't know. I just, I personally, I would not hire sure. right an attorney who's also selling houses on the side. Sure. It's just who I am. If you're right? a financial advisor and you become an attorney, or an attorney that becomes a financial advisor, right. and You want to practice both? Fine. I'd actually almost prefer you to because that means you know both sides of the right. law. So, so. Reading, there's a few books that I would recommend um, in terms of finance. So there's a guy that I follow. Um, his name is uh, Wade Fow. That's W-A-D-E, and Fow is P-F-A-U. So he's a he's a researcher. P-F- P-F-A-U. Fow. P-F-A-U. Yeah. So he's a he's a he's a researcher who happens to be in finance as opposed to so he writes about finance. From an outside perspective, right? Most most articles, most research done out there about finance or products or financial strategies are written by the people doing those strategies. Sure. This is a guy who's like, I'm just gonna start researching this stuff and see what what comes up. And so he recently came out with a book, really really good book called Safety First Retirement. Um, so I I like it a lot because it's the academic point of view of everything that I already do for my clients. Sure. Links so, will be in the bio for all of this stuff, by the way, for okay. anyone that wants to Good. get a hold of it. So, yeah, so so Safety First Retirement by Wade File. It's 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 a fairly easy read. Mm-hmm. Um, 
It helps if you have a little bit of background already. If you don't, that's okay because he explains everything very detailed. And and, and as a and as an academic researcher, those people are usually not very simple. They don't know how to break that. But I think he did a really good job with this one. He's written a a bunch of other stuff too before. But I think he's him. This is a guy, Curtis Cloak. Like they've they've kind of Curtis doesn't write anything. Nah, Uh, but they've kind of nailed it. I think they finally figure out how to how to plan for retirement properly given the current economic situation sure uh, both in markets as well as socioeconomic stuff that's going on fair enough so yeah that'll be my advice um reach out to me if they have any questions i i don't turn people away um i don't have minimums you want to be helped me and my team will help you all right either me directly or or one of the advisors who who works under me we all follow the same philosophy they've all been trained by me um, Sure. because i need them to do the stuff that i would do yeah i think that's valuable you know i've had uh I've had a couple financial advisors on here, and, and a lot of them do have minimums. Yeah. Um, which nah. is... I decided not to. Let me tell you why. It's an interesting... I, I think it's interesting, but I'm biased, right? It's my story. Sure. Uh, I, I I never... Nobody ever came to my parents, mm-hmm. right? Because they never had any money. Nobody sure. ever came and listen, you guys need to start doing some planning. Sure. Right? And so I never wanted to turn someone away because they didn't have any money because those people were my parents. Sure. Okay? But I do have certain requirements of them. Right? Yes. So my requirement is more, do they actually care? Mm-hmm. I cannot care about your financial future more than you care about your financial future. Sure. It's not going to work out. Do they listen? Right? Are they coachable? Are they respectful? Right? I can't work with people who are disrespectful. Yeah, you told me about that story right? that one time. That, yeah, I had to fire that client from Jersey. And, uh, and are they passionate about something? Sure. Right? Because only people who have passion can see the passion in other people. Yes, 100%. Right? Um, so if, if they are, even if it's their kids, their cat, their mom, I don't really, they gotta be passionate about something. Sure. If they're not passionate about anything, I can't help them. Yeah. Cause you gotta have passion about your future at least. Yeah. Otherwise whatever we're doing doesn't mean anything. Doesn't mean anything. So that's, that's what I care about. If they want to be helped, me and my team will help them. Sure. Okay. Uh, and, and now that we have the subscription model, it's just easier. Sure. I don't need you to have 300 grand to be able to invest with me. Sure. I'll just charge you 150, 200 bucks a month, depending on how much we're going to be working. Mm-hmm. And that's a much easier way to sort of work with people, especially when, when they're going to make that money back in no time just by listening to what you do. Sure. Like the, you know, the, the stuff pays for itself. So it's a lot easier to, to not have to turn people away as an advisor because they don't have 300 grand. Yeah. Before anybody's like, well, that's ridiculous that you have to spend money to, to have them help you. <laughs> First of all, the number one rule in business, you have to spend money to, to make, make money. money. Yeah. That is the num I don't care who you are, I don't care what business you're in. Look, it, I'm I just launched an online course. That online course just to have it up there cost me $200 a month. There you go. Regardless of how many signups I have, there I have to go. spend money for the potential to make money. Yeah. So and, and and look, I give a ton of free advice. I don't mind doing that, mm-hmm. right? Am I going to be your advisor? That's completely different. I'm more than happy to educate you. All right? yeah. I'll do it for free. Right? Sure, but um, for me to actually help you, I'm sorry. I <laughs> I don't work for free. Nobody does. Yeah. Right. And and there's the, money should never be the the barrier. And I I'll do everything that I can to make sure that I could actually work with everyone. Sure. Um, and and it's never it's it's, it's paid off. I mean, I have clients. My biggest client makes one point two million dollars a year. He's a hedge fund trader. Mm-hmm. My smallest client. I don't even know because I don't really look at it, but it this has to be someone making 40, 50 grand. Sure. I just don't care. You want to be helped, I'll help you. I really will. Yeah, that's that's so important. Um, so that's the reason why I never had any minimums. I never wanted to turn someone away because they didn't have Oh, money. I agree. You yeah. know, I, I've had probably, I probably have had every tier of, of 
person in here. I've had, um, you know, uh, my buddy Jeff, he typically really only works with people, um, you know, that are making 250000 and up. Um, yeah, yeah, and that's the average. That's like what yeah. I see. Um, he's like, look, you know, he's like, at that point, you probably know about finance. You probably know about, you know, he's like, not always. Don't get me wrong. He's nah. like, I've walked into plenty of houses oh, yeah. and stuff. He's like, I've walked into a house, beautiful house, Ferraris, you know, Lamborghinis, all, you know, everything, you know, Gucci bags, everything that everybody thinks is like, you know, makes you wealthy. He goes, the house is gorgeous. And then we look at their finances and, and it, they're and, a mess. Yeah, they're a mess. You know, he's like, yeah, the guy's, I'm lucky if he's saving. 10 grand a year yeah you know and the guy's making uh, half a million or a million yeah. dollars that happens um, often and then i've had my other friend um oh my god i'm drawing a blank it was just the other day too actually it wasn't the other day time just flies in my life um oh my god i'm gonna be really angry if i don't get this name he's gonna be really angry if i don't get this name. no it's a she <laughs> oh she. Uh, yeah she was she's the best too she's super sweet um and she's like she, I, she's more down to earth than oh Di, uh, Diane Johnston. Okay, um, and she only works with like ultra high net worth individuals. Yeah. You know, you're talking about. I don't even remember what her minimums are, so don't quote me on this. But I think it was like twenty or thirty million and up. Yeah, there's a niche yeah. for everyone. But um, that's that's her niche. Yeah, you know, that's that's her niche. She that's don't get me wrong. I wouldn't turn them away, <laughs> but it's 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 beyond the scope of what I want to do, right? So when you're dealing with that much money, you, you, you're now in a, it's, it's not a retirement problem, it's an estate, estate tax planning problem. Yes. I don't do it, but I certainly have the top guy who deals with that. Sure. Right? Um, we have a, I have a client in Smithtown, dude's worth 120 million, and he's like, hey, hey guy didn't even have a will. Oh no will, 74 God. years old. If you need somebody to put down on that will, right? Call me. <laughs> right. So I was like, "Look, I'll help you. I'm not gonna be the one doing this for you, though. I'm gonna bring in someone who's an expert at doing this." Sure. All right. And so and so we do that. Uh, you know, I don't believe in being a jack of all trades. I know what I'm good at. Yep. All right. And I know what I'm not good at, but I, I'll find the person who's the best at it. Yep. All right. So That's I always important. try to yeah, I always try to surround myself with people who I know who, if I was in that client situation, who would I want to talk to? Sure. All right. Great. I need to make sure that guy is it's in my in my bag of tricks if I need it. Yeah. Yeah. You, and you always got to be ready to pull a card out That's of there. That's right. That's so, right. Brother, man, we just crushed Jesus. our podcast to an hour. Wow. That was like right on time. I thought we were way over. Now nah, we're good. Hour and 31 minutes. I know you got to get out of here. So yeah. I'm going to keep you yeah. long. Um, Any other questions? Do anything else that you think people uh, have always wanted to know about finance? Sort of just to close it out. I'm just trying to think of anything that I haven't asked already. I think we covered a we covered a we, lot for we sure. We covered a lot. Yeah. Um. We definitely got to do this again because you're a wealth of knowledge, um, and you break it down really, really, really well. Thank you. Um, but yeah, you know, it's just it's really, um, you know, the big things for me is is especially just the advice for the young people. You know, that's yeah. that's really, in my opinion, you know, especially because I've worked in the restaurants, I've worked at the you know the the shitty jobs mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. Is nobody's ever taught nobody ever teaches money. And it's so sad to see people, especially like young, bright people that are making yeah. more money than they know what to do with and have zero idea of how to invest in like, no, 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 it's fine. Like, you know, I put I put this and then, you know, the company matches it or, you know, oh, you know, we, we get this and then we get a pension. Well, yeah. Well, what if this situation happens, you know, and you're not going to put any money away? Yeah. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, education is big. I, so one of the things that we we do that I do is we we host uh, webinars. Okay, okay, good. So you know you don't have to be a client. You sign up for the webinar. Um, you could attend. You could not attend. Doesn't really matter. But 
you know, we on average have about 55, 60 people. Oh, a nice. lot of them complete strangers. Sure. Um, I post them on Facebook sometimes. Not always. Sure. <laughs> I don't know how many of my friends I want as clients. <laughs> uh, but... <laughs> But either way, you know, the little things like that, they help. Any, any, especially, I think webinars are good because they're live, right? The yeah. person who's presenting. Oh, there's some recorded ones, but I, I generally do. Yeah. We're live. Here's the topic we're covering today. Raise your hand and I'll, I'll, I'll answer your questions. Uh, we do this about once a month, once every other month. Oh, that's good. Um, you know, just stuff like today, just general stuff. Sure. Stuff that's going to apply to 99% of the people out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it's savings, how to manage that. Um, you know, how much of a house should I buy? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about investments, right? Those are my favorite ones, investments, because we, we kind of tackle a lot of the myths out there about investing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the information is available. It's just it's just doing the work, just getting out there and yeah. saying, okay, I need to work with someone or I need to find something out. Yeah, I hear you. So tell people how they can find you. I wouldn't recommend a phone number, uh, but, <laughs> but anything else is probably, you're probably safe. Uh, sure. So my email address, you're going to post that too, right? I will post your All right, so my email address is uh, D as in Daniel Salazar, that's S-A-L-A-Z-A-R, at W-A-G-L-L-C.com, Wealth Advisory Group, LLC.com. I love it, man. And I don't mind giving my office number, 516-677-5039. There you go. Um, And my assistant's 516-677-5038. That's it. That's it. We're done, man. All right, dude. I love it. Been, oh, on Facebook. Facebook.com slash D Salazar FA Financial Advisor. Love it. All right. Nothing else? That's it. Have a good All one, right. guys. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, once again, this is complete because I don't edit that that sure. section of it. Uh, this is completely for uh, educational use. None of this yes. applies directly to you. It's not financial uh, advice. Yeah, not financial advice at all. Purely education. Um so if you're listening to this and uh, I think it's like something like I need to say if uh, everybody's individual portfolios need to be brought up to a financial advisor because everybody's thing is different. Yeah. Yeah. Your own situation is going to be different. So this is not advice. It's education. Purely education. Now we covered that. See you guys later. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. I guess thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the brutally honest podcast uh as i said in the beginning i hope that you guys had a absolute uh fantastic thanksgiving uh if you celebrate thanksgiving and now that we're getting into the holidays especially the holiday season um i hope that everybody has whatever you celebrate or partake in i hope you guys have uh, a phenomenal holiday of whatever your um i guess ethnicity or religion or whatever 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 floats your boat just enjoy it be happy. I hope everybody has a happy and safe holiday. I have a bunch of new podcasts coming up. I've recorded a ton of new shows. So I want you guys to uh, strap in. I did say I'm doing some Zoom calls. They have been recorded. Some of them have been recorded, not all of them. So I'm working on recording the rest of them. Uh, So that's it. This is the shortest opener and closer ever. I will see you guys in the next episode. Peace.